This is the Ignition Show, an after-show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after-show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pulled apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it, and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side-by-side moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode, so please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet, and let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. So I think I said this last time, I'm feeling like a bit of a broken record, that I think this conversation about courage with Billy Anderson was so timely for me personally. And I think for us, as we're looking at our goals for the year and the business and the business that we want to create this year, um, the idea of being a little scared and acting anyway because of a bigger want really, really resonated with me. And I think there's uh, so many little nuggets that Billy shared in this episode uh, that I'm excited to kind of hear your perspective on it. Yeah. You know what? I was reflecting, you've had a lot of conversations with people on this podcast about around the theme of authenticity. And it's so interesting that everyone seems to come at it from a different angle. And it was really neat to hear Billy talk about it from the angle of courage. And you can see it as using courage in a way to get to your true authentic self and express that, but also just courage in everyday life, you know, um, reaching goals that you didn't think you could or overcoming obstacles on the way to those goals that mm. are getting in your way. It really made me reflect on some of the underlying beliefs that I have, mm. that if I just kind of stepped into it with courage, I would feel that empowerment that Billy talked about. Well, and that's, that's a point that I really appreciate Billy kind of clarifying very early in the conversation is that there's often there is a perception, I suppose, that sometimes courage has to be something epic. Yeah. Like, because we, we hear about our courageous heroes in the news, whether they're firefighters or military, whatever it is. But my, my personal relationship, I suppose, if you can call it that, with courage vastly is outweighed by the, the epic is there, but that is vastly outweighed by the almost unremarkable moments that everyone else in the environment might see as pretty normal. But inside, I'm either like really nervous or really scared or uncertain about what I could do. And just like a little conversation to have or a small act. And it's epic to you. It's, it, it's, it's often an epic release of tension. <laughs> <laughs> it may not even be epic, but I, that's what I appreciate about what Billy said is that it doesn't have to be epic. That courage, there's no, there isn't a relationship or a correlation between right. courage and epic. Or, you know, there isn't um, I like a the restriction, example. restriction of definition. Yeah, I like the example he said of, of you know, courage for one person could be saying hi to someone in, in an elevator, hi to a stranger in an elevator which could be an everyday event for someone else. Mm. It, it really does vary. And I think for me where that showed up is if I reflect on kind of my past um, is often in things that I would, I would find myself hesitating. So hesitating to have that conversation back in the day, hesitating to ask the girl out, right? Hesitating to have a maybe difficult, conver- difficult conversation with a colleague 
or at least to stand up for what I what I think or what I believe in. And um, it's those moments where, in the moment, I wouldn't have necessarily said courage. I was courageous there, but I certainly was feeling, as Billy said, if it scares, it counts. If it scares you, it counts. Right. I was feeling. I wouldn't call it. I was feeling scared. I was feeling uh, unsure, hesitant, maybe a bit nervous, maybe you know, physiologically a little anxiety, right? Uh, wanting to avoid it, wanting to postpone it. I'll do it later this week. And then all the symptoms of fear or exactly. being scared. Even though, though you didn't label it as such. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The whole idea of empowerment really resonate, resonated for me. And we talk about that a lot, especially in regards to me. One of my values is to feel empowered or maybe one of my away values is to not feel disempowered. Yes. Um, but that when he described it as when you step in, you know, what do people experience when they step into courage um, and step away from, you know, overcome those fears small or large, I could totally relate to that, that sense of empowerment. When you, when you do something, even if, like you said, it was, it's super, super small. And I'm, I'm trying to think of an example in my life because I have many, I have many where I overcome things that aren't necessarily scary, but actually related to your conversations about what we value. And, and a lot of what we value as adults are, are related to um, the love we craved as as a kid, mm. you know, and and who we needed to be as a kid to receive that love. And I think of a lot of the fears that I overcome to feel to feel empowered are things that um, oftentimes uh, like an un like an, a set belief system or someone I think I need to be. Mm. Um, and I I can relate that very easily to being a new mom. And what I believed, and you know, a good mother should be, and sometimes that conflicted with my own personal values of what I really wanted to do in the world and to feel fulfilled. Yeah. And oftentimes stepping into, you know, releasing that that constraint of what a quote unquote good mother should be, and stepping into what will make me feel fulfilled, is really empowering. Because if you feel fulfilled, you'll probably be, in your view, very a good better mother. mother. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. But I didn't necessarily put those two together right. beforehand. It's right. more of, for me, oftentimes the signal is that feeling of empowerment. And then I can reflect and be like, oh, there was something really holding me back there. Yeah. O oftentimes psychological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I also really appreciated Billy's distinction there when I asked, um, what do people experience or learn after they have that act of courage? And I like the way you describe it, the excitement and empowerment. And I can totally relate to that as well. And again, I, I can think of an example where back when I was leading teams in, a, in an organization, and I wouldn't even call it a difficult conversation, but it was probably, you know, having a conversation with someone who I thought maybe, maybe wouldn't be welcoming, welcome my perspective or wouldn't welcome me stepping in to provide my two cents. Right. And I can literally remember me consciously having to train myself to the moment I felt I was going to hesitate. I'm like, I could <laughs> see the person, you know, three or four desks over thinking, I really need to speak to that person. And then in my head, I have this whole dialogue of, no, let me just answer these five emails first. Or let me just go go to the washroom or let me, let me grab a glass of water first. All avoidant ta tactics. Right. But I had to train myself that as soon as I felt myself hesitating, I had, I had no, I only had one choice and that was to stand up and walk over to them. Mm -hmm. And as I was walking over to them, 
I'd have no idea what it's going to say. I might feel a little bit unsure what's going to happen, maybe even physiologically a bit nervous or anxiety going on. Um, and then I would sit down and I would just say whatever came out in the moment. And always, 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 without exception, the person would be appreciative of the conversation. It would be a good conversation. And I'd walk away and it could just be, you know, an open, open, uh, open office conversation. It wasn't anything like private or confidential. Um, but as a, as a boss or a manager, I needed to say some things and, um, always they were appreciative. And I walked away feeling very empowered and a bit energized because I felt liberated. I felt liberated from that tension or the hesitation that was holding me back. And to Billy's point that, yeah, it can be very much easily um, build momentum as to like, what next? What's another un uncomfortable conversation I could have to build even more strength. Hmm. What was the uncomfortable conversation that you alluded to in your conversation with Billy that changed the trajectory of, trajectory of your life? I'm super curious. <laughs> I'm sure you will be. Uh, I, I believe what it was, was a conversation with uh, someone I was dating at the time. And the conversation was, this isn't going to work out. Wow. And um, I'm so grateful you had that conversation. <laughs> exactly, as am I. Um, but yeah, it was a conversation that I had been avoiding for a while, and I knew it wasn't really going in the right direction. The relationship wasn't going to have a long-term uh, future, um, and it was it was a hard conversation to have because I really cared about the person, and but it made me exactly as I just described, kind of step into that discomfort hmm. and still experience discomfort. Um, and it was a very loving, kind conversation hmm. and feeling very, I don't know if I was excited at the moment, but I certainly was feeling empowered. That's great. Yeah. yeah. There were, there were a few nuggets or, or, or things that Billy said just in passing during the conversation that you guys didn't really dwell on, but really, really stuck with me. One of them was, um, how do you feel at the end of the weekend? And if you feel like it was a great weekend, it's because you met a lot of your values. Mm. And you and I talk a lot about values between us. We've done exercises individually and as a couple on what our values are. We've done exercises on values when buying a house or when made, making major uh, life decisions together as a couple. But it it really resonated with me because I've all all I've um, often wondered, you know, what makes a great weekend, and oftentimes. It's when we are, or sometimes it's when we have different things that kind of break up the weekend, various activities, but completely different. So it feels like we're doing different things throughout the, the variety, weekend, a little yeah. variety. Thank you. But sometimes it feels like a great weekend if we've just kind of vegged and, yeah. you know, not gone out and eat popcorn on the couch in the afternoon and, you binge, know, binge Netflix. Yeah. Which actually doesn't happen often, but, um, sometimes those feel like great weekends. Yeah. And other times when we do that, it feels like we've wasted the weekend and Monday yeah. comes too, too quickly. Yeah. So his, his comment on a great weekend is often when we meet a lot of our values was kind of a revelation to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's totally what it is. That, that's totally what makes a great weekend for me. Um, the other thing, and this is. Actually, just before you go on to that, yeah, great, yeah, yeah, is I also think it was very powerful and very important that the Billy makes a very clear link between the importance of knowing your values, and that links right back to um, his definition: feeling scared and acting anyway because of a bigger want. And but you need to know what you want. You need to know what you want, and the the s simplest, most direct filter for that is your values. Yeah. So both of our top values is health, health and vitality. Yeah. And you know when I. 
again, it's not something we actively think about all the time, but if there is a difficult conver- uh, difficult decision, maybe a hard decision, like where to invest our money, yeah. you know, as, as, as maybe as basic as a day-to-day decision, do I buy the organic spinach or, you know, at $7.99 or the non-organic at $3.99? Well, there's no, you know, if you look at through the value of uh, the lens of our, our values, that's an easy, easier choice. But even the bigger decisions about other things where we invest, whether it's uh, joining health clubs or investing in some medical care that we want, might want or proactive care, um, it, it's much easier to make uncomfortable, converse, uh, uncomfortable decisions when you know your values. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um... I can't stress enough how much knowing my values and doing that exercise every every year, every couple of years, how much of a big, it just makes a huge difference in my life. And I actually think it makes our conversations and our decision-making, which our decision-making wasn't that great as a couple when we first met. And no. it, I don't think it really changed until we did an exercise of values as a couple. Yeah, And it kind of it almost did a 180 for us. Yeah. It's interesting that, uh, as you're saying that I, I think of the dozens of clients I've worked with you know, one-on-one coaching where I've, um, gone through a values exercise and, you know, admittedly, sometimes I go into that thinking, I wonder if this is going to land for them. I wonder if it's going to, and it always opens up such clarity for the individual on both on why they're experiencing maybe some challenges or some Frustration, inner, inner conflict, great, great way of looking at it. Yeah. Experiencing some inner conflict um, and how then kind of course correct to get them back into sync into their values. And it's it's one of those things I think that we, we're just never, we're never taught about. It's kind of discussed in some ways. And some people, I think, know surface level values. You know, I value kindness or I value right. optimism. Right. But when you look really look at it, it's not what you intellectually value. It's how you are operating. Like your how values, you behave and how you behave, and and your values absolutely shape every single decision you make, and um, it's incredibly back to Billy's point. It's incredibly empowering and it's exciting and it builds a lot of momentum when you get clear and clear on your values. Yeah, yeah, and I think not only for yourself, but then when I saw what your values were, it was like, oh my goodness, that's why you do whatever you do. I'm like, that's because you value something like that thing that drove me crazy. I can now see it through a different lens. I'm like, Oh, that's something that's one of your core values. That's what lights you up. And it just, it gave me a whole new perspective on, on you. And, and for example, um, you know, I think one, when you, when we first met, you were training for, uh, an Ironman and it took, so you were, you were working, Five, five long days a week. We would only see each other on weekends. Oftentimes during the week, you would be traveling. So I'd, we would rarely even talk during, during the week because you would be delivering workshops or flying or, you know, something. And then on the weekends, we would see each other, you know, when we first met, we'd see each other throughout the weekend. We'd, you know, I'd stay over at your place or you'd stay over at my place. And then you started training for this Ironman and it took a lot of your time and a lot of your weekend time. You would be out biking for six hours on a Saturday. And I was, there was some, some tension between us because I, I thought you were, you were taking time away from me. And when you sat me down and said, no, this is, this is one of my values. Health and vitality is one of my values and, and achieving. And the way you described it actually at the time was, um, I think this is something about your soul. This is what, 
This is an expression of my soul. And when you said that, it literally made me sit back and reevaluate how I, how I saw everything in terms of you training. And then I was like, oh, okay. This is not you taking time away from us. This is you becoming a better version of you so you can be a better version for us. And I remember that conversation and I- Me too. I remember where we were sitting, what time of day. Uh, And, um, you know, I I probably didn't fully appreciate all the processing you were having there because I think some things we were open about and some things we were probably- sub like almost sub processing but i i remember how you kind of sunk back into your chair or on the edge of the bed where you were and uh that was very that was very meaningful to me that you 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 understood how important it was to me mm. as as a person as a man wanting to push myself and i think you respected it more or had a sense of greater respect or appreciation for what i'm doing Knowing that, yeah, I, I'm spending hours at this time, but when I come back from that, I'm a better person because of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was huge. So another thing that Billy mentioned that resonated with me is when he was talking about a client he had who um, he was saying this this person um, was told, you know, immigrated to the States and was told by his family from immigrated from Asia told by his family that it's of utmost importance to fit in. And he subsequently became an HR manager to help others fit in and, and so forth. And you can listen to the whole story on the, you know, in the interview, but it made me reflect on, you know, what, what was told to me or what was an underlying belief of our family or things said in passing. And it made me reflect on, and it relates to how we operate as an adult And it made me reflect on, so I grew up in a very, very small town, less than 10,000 people in this town. And my dad was one of the general practitioners. So he was a doctor, a family doctor in, in the town, probably one of a handful of, at the time. So everyone would kind of know him as, you know, kind of the closest thing in the early eighties to a social media celebrity. Like people would see him on the street. They would say, hello, we could... We could never dine, go out for dinner as a family in the small town without someone, often multiple people coming over and saying hello and, mm. you know, thanks so much. Or, you or you know, I'm not a patient, but my daughter is and, you know, hello. And my when we were born, my sister and I, my grandparents moved to the small town to be closer to us. And my grandfather loved to talk to everyone. So he would, he would be in the grocery line, you know, to scan his, they didn't scan them then, but would you, <laughs> he, he would be in the checkout line and he would see someone close to my age and he'd be like, Oh, do you know, do you know my granddaughter, Sarah? And he would like strike up a conversation and he just loved to talk. And he had he had very few boundaries on what he would expose about himself or right. our family or what I was doing or my parents or, you know, all of this, stuff. very few boundaries. So anyone he encountered, it was, yeah, our business was anyone's business as far as he was right. concerned. And that drove my parents crazy. So it because was- of the confidentiality? Kind or... of the confidentiality and just that they they wanted to maintain this, you know, these yeah. boundaries of for, where people were looking and, you know, what are they up to? Yes. Um, and my grandfather had no problem telling people what we were up to. Right. So it was instilled in me that, you know, there's a there's a layer of privacy here and you don't expose what's 
within the family or within the household. And, and especially because of the confidentiality with my dad, you know, if I went to visit him at the, at his office, I wasn't, you know, it's, you weren't supposed to tell who you, who you met at, at the office, who was a patient, because you didn't want to expose who was a patient of my dad. So there's a lot of layers of confidentiality or privacy. Fast forward to now, when we're doing this podcast and when we're out in social media, I, Billy's story of his client made me realize that that has absolutely impacted how I operate now, where you've, you've probably heard me kind of couch a lot of examples on this podcast and I'm not very specific and I'm kind of vague and yeah, that happened to me probably five years ago and yeah, let's move on. I have noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. So it really made me reflect and, and, uh, how authentic am I being, especially on this podcast or social media and, and things like that. But it was totally instilled as a kid. So this is my declaration that I'm going to step into these conversations with a little more courage and you can call me out on it. And anyone listening can call me out on it too. If, if I'm being a little too vague, you can call me out on it. I would love to step into these conversations and these examples, especially as I, I share them of, of my life and our life with your permission, um, step into them with more courage. And can I ask you, if, or can I suggest, if Billy was sitting here listening to this, he might also remind you that when you do that, you'll probably experience some excitement and some empowerment, which is very important to you. And that maybe that can build momentum to something that's next. Yeah, I'll definitely say it's scary. Even thinking about it, exposing our life and 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 our life as a couple, my life, it's really scary. So well, scary, it would be it courageous for me. <laughs> it's scary, it counts. I would love to hear from people listening who have listened to the interview and listened to our conversation here. Tell me I'm not alone. Tell me that you have something that um, that you could you could step into your courage or something that's you're either hesitating with. It could be small or big. It definitely doesn't have to be epic. But I would love to hear your story. Um, you can catch us on Facebook at The Ignition Show, or you can go to our website, theignitionshow.com. And if you press connect, we'd love to hear your voice. There's actually a little button where you can leave a little voice memo. Those are our absolute favorite. But um, yeah, tell me I'm not alone. And, and I would love to be on the journey with you as we step into our courage. Absolutely. I love to hear those too. So I'll be back in two weeks after your next interview, and I'll talk to you then. See you then. So there you have it, our after show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com slash connect. That's theignitionshow.com slash connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen. And I'm Sarah Jansen. And this is The Ignition Show.